0: Happy game day weekend all my Gamecock friends. J.C. Sherbert here with you. It's the final word. Gonna start doing this um, along with my preview and prediction uh, here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast each and every Friday and I think I'll have some more little daily type surprises for you folks moving forward. Appreciate all of you that have uh, downloaded the podcast so far. We've only had two episodes and boy the response has been great. You know of course we kind of I kind of wondered how popular it would be um you know after kind of moving podcast homes with at least with regards to the Gamecocks and you guys seem to have an appetite for it so that's good for me and um uh, good for everybody else that has podcast out there in Gamecockland. so South Carolina's lost five games in a row against Kentucky and I know that there's a lot of disbelief about that I know it's something that you know, different programs have different things that are that they feel are unacceptable. Um, I, I think South Carolina <laughs> losing five in a row to Kentucky, I think most Gamecock fans feel that's unacceptable. You know, no offense to the job that Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky. I think that for that program and maximizing it and its location and history and resources and competition and and you know, everything you could think of. Mark Stoops has done a great job he's probably the best Kentucky coach since Jerry Claiborne, who I believe won an s e c there and um maybe the best since bear bryant uh Some of you may not have known this, but Bear Bryant did coach at Kentucky. He also coached at Maryland and texas a and m before he coached at Mama uh way back in the day he'd been at put in a long time at Kentucky I think he was there about eight years but uh you know, Stoops has done a good job And I think that when you're Kentucky uh, When he took over it, It's kind of smart to set your sights On South Carolina, you know um, He has had his Bugaboo teams As the coach of the Wildcats they, they can't seem to beat Tennessee In fact, they beat lost to Tennessee by 17 last year And that was Kentucky's best team In forever So, you know, basically A lot of the SEC East has bugaboo teams One of the bugaboo teams that you know, couldn't beat Carolina, Missouri. They turned it around last week, obviously, in a thirty-four, fourteen win out in Como to snap a three-game losing streak in that series. Just a a very bad loss for South Carolina. Not, not that Missouri's not good. I was looking at some stats today preparing for this, and you know, Missouri's got a top-five defense in a lot of categories. Even considering they got you know kind of ran all over by Wyoming, an option team uh, in game one, but. I said this in my article today. When you rush for 16 yards, 16, 16 yards, okay, you're not going to win very often. And then when your offense hands the other team two touchdowns, you're definitely not going to win. And I'll say this, you know, those two touchdowns were not Missouri making big plays. You know, this was not the 1992 Sugar Bowl when Antonio Langham uh, had all those great games, I mean, had all those interceptions against Miami and Alabama won by 21 points in the Sugar Bowl and won the national championship because they had a dominating defense. This was, you know, a play that by Halinski that was kind of questionable. Um, when you look at it and look at the letter of the law uh, with the rule, um, you know, the bottom line was the pass went backward. A backward pass is a, is a lateral. It's a live football. I don't know how in the world he had, you know, I don't know. You know, I guess even if you touch it and it goes backward, you know, that's the deal. I don't know. Very confusing play. And then the second one, you know, Ryan did throw a – he shouldn't have thrown it. He didn't see the guy. That was a mistake. But I still strongly believe, and I believe Will Muschamp believes this too, that ball should have never been thrown. You should have never put him in that situation. You know, he should have never been in that situation. And and that's that's one of those plays – where you know, you kind of just forget things as the season goes on. I'm never going to forget that. Um, and, and I hope that stuff like that doesn't happen again. <laughs> and I, but but I've seen like this, you know, I guess, desire to go to the passing game inside the five time and time again. You know, starting with the Clemson game last year, you know, look. South Carolina wasn't stopping Clemson. South Carolina was inside the five twice and didn't score. And quite frankly, on a couple of those fourth down plays, they were boneheaded low percentage passes to the back of the end zone. Same thing on fourth down against Bama. You know, that pass to the back of the end zone, I I see it work in college football about 50% of the time, unless you have like Alshon Jeffrey or Sidney Rice or Julio Jones or – you know, if you want to get more modern, maybe like, you know, when Mike Williams was up at Clemson or T. Higgins, you know, those guys, you know, are, are throw it to Brian Edwards. You know, Josh Van, poor guy, you know, he's he's 5'11". And you're supposed to throw that by Anyway, you know, I've seen situations where guys like that are wide open, but, I mean, come on, that just hasn't worked. But I'm going to quit complaining. I'm not going to complain about the Missouri game today, folks, because we're here to talk about the Kentucky game. You know, this one's been simple for five years. You know, Kentucky's won the line of scrimmage um, in four of those. Uh, I think that 2014 game was just a collapse like a lot of other games that year with that defense they decided to trot out. Um, And then Dylan Thompson got put in an impossible situation and, They tried to pass. Maybe they should have just run it out and gone to overtime. And, you know, that cost them the football game. Uh, But the Gamecocks ran the ball up and down the field that night in Lexington and scored plenty of points. It wasn't the offense's fault. Uh, Really good game plan by G.A. Mangus, uh, who was calling plays that night. You know, the next year, if Perry Orth had started that game, the Gamecocks probably win. 2016, I think the Gamecocks did well by, you know, even though Kentucky was struggling coming into that football game, I think everybody sort of knew, you know, that South Carolina was you didn't quite have the players Kentucky did, uh, and the Gamecocks had their chances seventeen to ten close loss. Uh, but looking at how that team ended their season at Kentucky, and you know, sort of the players the Gamecocks had on the field that night in twenty sixteen, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that you know there's any shame uh, in losing that one. The following year was. You know, probably before the losses this season, the most inexcusable loss of the Will Muschamp era, and I'm including the the Belk Bowl in that because it's a bowl game. Um, you're two and zero. You you, you probably beat an NC State team that was better than you that had a bunch of NFL players and they're poorly coached and outgained you by 300 yards, but you won. Then you got to Missouri and you win by 18 going away, and you won and you're two and zero, one and zero, and you're coming home. And the streak at that point was what, three? You got a packed house, night game, towels waving, get off to a big start. All of a sudden, the bottom just falls out. I mean, I was stunned. I was stunned at that game. Jake Bentley at some point, I think, completed 14 passes in a row (laughs) in the middle of it. Just stunned at how that kind of went down. And that's just one of those times that during the must-champ era we've seen where the fans are willing to rally around him and, you know, the program as it is now rather than pining for the good old days. And um, they just fall flat on their face. Last year, disaster on offense. I tend to think that while the most recent disasters we've seen on offense have been a function of game plan and play calling uh, mostly, especially last weekend. Um, And then unforeseen circumstances like Holinsky, you know, I'm convinced he had something, some kind of tape on his elbow the first half that threw him off. Came back and looked like himself in the second half. Um, You know, I I think, you know, game plan, stuff like that. I don't think it was any of those things at Kentucky last year. I think Jake just had a bad game, like one of his worst. And then I think – you had situations like Dowdle fumbling inside the five, AJ Turner falling down um, when he had nothing but green grass in front of him and could have scored a touchdown. By the way, I really hope AJ Turner plays this weekend. I mean, it's kind of sad if you can move him over to defense. You know, I mean, clearly you could use him at slot receiver, I think, if he's not gonna play on defense. Um, you know, uh, what else happened in that game oh yeah tons of interceptions <laughs> uh dropped passes brian edwards had the drops that night just a bad game you know, south carolina's defense started bad looked like they were on roller skates a little bit and then you know second half they shut them down so you know that was that was a tough night last year in lexington i don't think it was as tough as 2017 because kentucky pretty good football team last year 10 wins uh citrus bowl win second best team in the east all that good stuff so You know, Gamecocks have played a little better. They'd have probably been in there. But, you know, there's a lot of coaching things that have happened uh, in this series. And and, and I think that, you know, one of the things about this year is you're starting to see things taken off the table. Um, And you've already lost things that, you know, what little accomplishment this program has that they can hang their hat on. You know, and and you look at South Carolina coming into the season. What, What are the Gamecocks historically good at? Well, you know, it's been a while since the Gamecocks have struggled on opening night. You know, you got the 2014 a and game, and there's not a single other opening loss you can point to since 1999. It's 20 years. 20 years. Two decades. And it's not like they've opened against the Sisters of the Poor every year either. You know, they've played road games in the conference, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, they played at NC State. They played NC State and North Carolina on a neutral field, East Carolina on a neutral field. You know, it, it, it hadn't always been, you know, oh, let's play Charleston Southern to open the season every year. Uh, and so if you're the Gamecocks, you know, that, that's something you hang your hat on, and then you go and you lose to North Carolina. Well, you hadn't lost a North Carolina team since 1999, which is good. For people in the state of South Carolina, that is a point of pride who are Gamecocks. That is a point of pride. Especially the older crowd that used to be in a conference with all those guys. It's also important for recruiting because it's a massive recruiting pitch when you say, we haven't lost a team from up here this century. (laughs) You know, and all that goes out the window, so you lost that. I know people sometimes snicker at the Mayor's Cup and quite frankly, I you know, I don't know that you need a trophy for every game, but you know, the Big Ten, say what you will about that conference. It's rich with tradition. And just about every series in that conference has some sort of trophy. Whether it's a bucket or a the Floyd of Rosen pig or you know, the axe or, or whatever. And it makes those games fun and meaningful, even if it's like, you know, Wisconsin or it's Minnesota Purdue or so, I don't know. Who plays for the old oaken bucket? I don't want to Google that right now, but there's you know there's all kinds of trophies in the Big Ten, so I don't I don't mind it. Um, and I think Missouri folks, you know, kind of reading some of their media and social media message boards and their fans, I, I think they'd almost rather beat South Carolina than Arkansas. You know, they've tried to kind of force that Arkansas rivalry, and it should be because they're bordering states and all that, and you know it's not that far from Fayetteville to Como, but I mean that just hadn't taken off probably because. You know, usually one year one team's bad or one year the other's bad. But South Carolina's one that sticks in their crawl. And, uh, I think they feel like they should beat South Carolina. And, well, frankly, they did. So you lost that. (laughs) You lost the Mayor's Cup. You lost the streak against North Carolina. You you know, you've lost an opener for the second time in five years. So you're no longer, like, really, really good at openers. Um... And so things just keep getting taken away, and you look at the big picture of this season. Well, you know, what's off the table? And and look, I know some of you people out there that don't, you know, you're like, just want to, you know, (laughs) take Muschamp out of the office uh, in his building and parade him down Assembly Street and throw him in Lake Murray or whatever. Um, I know some of you that think that are going to be like, there's no way they're going to accomplish anything. I know, that's very unlikely, but I'm, gonna, I'm just talking about what's off the table completely. Well, a college football playoff trip is off the table. I would say that an SEC East title, barring a miracle turn of events, in other words, the Gamecocks would have to win out, Georgia would have to lose, Missouri would have to lose, probably not going to happen. Um... I'd say those. That it's mathematically possible, but it's sad that here in Eke And see, the reason I mentioned the division is, you know, that's where you want to be. I mean, South Carolina's not in the West. You look at the West, and look at how tough it is. Look at Texas A&M. Everybody, Texas A&M's a top-12 team this year. Yeah, but look at their schedule. And they did lose some people off last year. You folks are just ranking them that high you know, based on their finish last year, a shootout, which I know the media loves because they love points, over LSU. And then they took Dave Doran and the NC State Wolfpack to task in the Gator Bowl. And Jimbo Fisher, you know, pretty good coach. And year two usually features, you know, some improvement. And I would imagine A&M probably is an improved team. They've had some injuries. But I imagine they are probably improved. But you know what? In that division, you you're not just dealing with Bama. You know, Bama usually wins that division, but you're dealing with Auburn and LSU and Texas A&M and Mississippi State, for that matter. Ole Miss and Arkansas will get it together eventually. There was not it was not too long ago every team in that division was good. South Carolina's not in the West. You know, you're basically, if you're South Carolina, what you want to be is in the division hunt by the time you play Georgia every year. Now, if you play them at the beginning of the year, you know, obviously it's not as important, but, you know, this game is sliding more and more toward the middle to the end of the season. I think, I don't know when it is next year, but, um, you know, it's in October again this year. So that's what you want. You want the Carolina-Georgia game to mean, all right, if you win it, you know, chances are you can win the division. That means, you know, Florida and what I call the SEC North, which is Tennessee, Vandy, Kentucky, and Missouri. You know, you need to win those games more often than not. You know, and and that you know, people are like it's difficult. It's the SEC. It's the best conference on earth. Well, it is. But man, and it's tough that Clemson is winning national championships, and it's tough that Georgia's as good as they are in the division. But, but you know what? Look at look at Clemson up the road. They weren't sitting there. you know. They sat there and said, all right, well, who do we need to start beating? Well, we don't beat Boston College very often. Well, let's start beating Boston College. Well, we don't beat Wake Forest very often. Well, let's start beating Wake Forest. Well, you know, NC State gives us tough, a, a tough time. So, all right, well, let's start beating NC State. Then eventually it got down to, well, you know, Georgia Tech, Florida State, and the Gamecocks are the teams that beat us. Well, let's start beating them. And then they did, and then guess what? You saw what happened. And there is no reason on earth South Carolina should not be better than Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee. And the only one of those four schools that really could, you know, I don't want to call them a sleeping giant because that giant's been asleep for over a decade, but really Tennessee's the only one with any more tradition than the Gamecocks. You know, Missouri had some good years under Pinkle. There's some good teams here and there. Kentucky, obviously, under Stoops. I mentioned Bear Bryant, coach there. But the Gamecocks, really, in the last 20 years, have been better, you know, in a position to be better most years than those programs. And so that's that's three teams on your schedule every year. Wildcats, Tigers, Vaults, Vanderbilt. Sorry, four teams. So that's half your SEC schedule. You should beat them every single year you know Texas A&M who I mentioned I know the Gamecocks hadn't done well against them hadn't won I know they you know everybody talks about the recruiting and they're kind of a big unknown because the series only goes back five years but go look at their history sometime good under RC Slocum won some Southwest Conference but they've never been like the national power that people think especially post RC Slocum go go check out the results Kevin Sumlin, who they fired, was the best coach they had record-wise since Slocum. You know, so I think A&M will always have talent. I think it will always be a tough trip. I think at this point a and M's coming into that game confident every year. But there's no reason why you can't compete. They're not an insurmountable force. Florida, definitely not an insurmountable force. You had them beat last year. You beat them the year before. They're not recruiting any better than they normally do. Dan Mullen's a heck of a coach though. So you got a you got a coach. So what are we up to? 6 SEC games. <laughs> you got to play Georgia every year. Georgia's ahead of you as a program miles right now. But, you know, it's one team, one game. And sometimes as we all saw in the early 2000s, you can be significantly. You can be worse than the team that finishes second in your division. Um, i say back in 2000. I meant 2011, 2012, 2013. South Carolina beat Georgia like a redheaded stepchild, 35 to seven. Georgia won the division, almost beat Alabama, almost played for the national championship. You know why? Because Georgia got to play the little sisters of the poor, and the Gamecocks had to play LSU on the road out of the Western Division. So let's get to this game. Uh, That's my point is, you know, there's no reason for South Carolina to be losing to Kentucky. This streak needs to end. I don't care what happens in the future to the coaching staff for the rest of this season. The rest of this season, and and I mentioned this, things are getting taken away from you, division title, all that. Well, Well, this is one thing where you can kind of get back on the right side of the ledger, you know, so people aren't sitting there talking about, you know, regardless of what happens for the rest of the year, you know, Nobody at Carolina wants a six-game losing streak to the University of Kentucky. All right, so this year's team. Kentucky is not very good. They're not very bad, though. This is not the one of those Joker Phillips teams that I think came to Carolina in 2011 and got beat 54-3. Um, <laughs> You know, that was Connor Shaw's second start of that year, but right when he took over for Garcia. They had just lost to Auburn, which is a bad home loss. And they took it out on Kentucky that day. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but th- this is not the same team it was last year. They've recruited well to a system. They develop well. And they'll be back. They'll be back in position to where they'll be as good as they were last year. Now, they won a lot of close games last year. Maybe they don't go to 10, but maybe they get to 8. But this is going to be a solid football program from here forward. You know, th- they're not going to go, you know, back down to the Vanderbilt level. Now, That doesn't mean South Carolina shouldn't be better than Kentucky. I mean, Florida lost to them for the first time in 30 years last year. You saw what happened. They got behind. They came back. They won. And that brings me to this. When Florida put Kyle Trask in that football game, and Kyle Trask I've always thought was a better passer than Felipe Franks. That's why for the life of me, I don't understand why McIlwain started Franks over Trask because I thought Trask fit his system a lot better. Maybe coaching if he had started Trask. Still coaching, but maybe he'd still be coaching if he hadn't lied about getting death threats and you know the the shark picture, folks. I know it wasn't him, but it it just it couldn't have helped. That shark picture couldn't have helped. So anyway, not the same Kentucky team, but still pretty good. And this team will come into South Carolina and cut the Gamecocks, just like they have. You know, they'll go in there and win like twenty four to twelve or something, and not care, not think twice if the Gamecocks don't start playing good. If the Gamecocks don't make better decisions, calling plays on offense. If the Gamecocks can't run the ball, if the Gamecocks can't stop them, that kind of thing. So statistic breakdown, you know, Kentucky total defense, um, You know, I, I, they are giving up 398 yards per ball game. I think that's 69th. South Carolina's 100th in total defense. No, I, I'm sorry, Kentucky's 78th, I think. 100th in total defense, giving up 435.5. Rush defense, Gamecock 67th at 145 a game. Uh, obviously, they didn't, you know, really stop the run all that well against Missouri or North Carolina, uh, but they did against Bama. And then you got Charleston Southern. Pass defense, 116th, 290.5 yards a game. Ugly. Kentucky's 59th in rushing offense, 177.3 yards per game 70th and past 241.8 Carolina offense obviously 775 yards against Charleston Southern um I almost feel embarrassed saying they're 47th in the country and rushing at 193 a game because they rushed for 16 yards against Missouri but they are and 61st and past 250.8 um you know so the stats kind of say these are two middling SEC East teams that need a win the records say that, too. Kentucky's 2-2, 0-2. Game Gamecocks 1-3, 0-2. Oh um, last week, you know, we talked about Missouri. Mississippi State defeated Kentucky 28-13. Kalen Hill from Mississippi State ran for 120, really had a good football game. Uh, looking at Mississippi State, some of the big runs they popped out, they were creative with the run game. South Carolina does not look creative with the run game. Um, Is Rico Dowdle or Tavian Feaster, can those guys put up rushing yards? Yes, I think they're good. But I think you got to be creative with the run game. Um, You know, I I think this Kentucky defense obviously isn't as good against the pass as it was last year when you had some legit guys in the secondary. They're sort of rebuilding. I mentioned Kyle Trask sort of had his way with them. Um, You know, I think that's a weakness on the defensive side of the ball. They're big up front. You know, so the guys that did not have such good games last week on the interior of the offensive line probably need to rebound and probably need to keep, you know, keep on rolling with Rhodes and Stanley and Gwynn, who played so well against Alabama, because you know, some other guys did not against Missouri. Uh, but those guys are capable, even against a big front. Kentucky, for the life of me, you know, South Carolina's had trouble getting big interior guys. I don't know how Kentucky has all this girth on the inside and runs a base 3-4 like they do, and it works, and South Carolina can't seem to recruit to it. Um, but maybe they have. Maybe the Gamecocks have recruited to it, and these guys just aren't ready yet. I don't know. It just kind of seems weird to me. But they do run a 3-4, and they run it well. And so the Gamecocks uh, attacking this Kentucky offense, they're, they're going to have to run it. We're going to talk about running the ball. But but I also want to say this, you know, and, and I'm, I've got some three keys on offense hear that i'm gonna say in a second i you know i'm not anti-rpo i think it's actually positive ryan holinsky was making the right reads and doing that because when when he's on and accurate that's that's sort of lethal you know hard to defend i, I just think that there have been several times during this six game losing streak against power five opponents where you know the rpos weren't working and you know sometimes the prudent thing is to go and be conservative and, you know, Steve Spurrier used to say, well, we just, we just said heck with it. Let's just run it and punt it. You know, sometimes you got to do that because you know that you're about to give the other team a lot of momentum. And this is what South Carolina did. Missouri lived on inside the game, got 20. But I'm not anti RPO this weekend. If the RPOs are rolling against Kentucky and working, heck, you know, why not? Um, You know, so that's that's kind of the deal. Uh, with the defense there, Kentucky's defense has five interceptions on the year by comparison. The Gamecocks have four. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I think they're big up front. We all know Cash Daniel, and you know, who, who's I think will remind many of Ben Bulware a little bit. Uh, Gamecocks recruited Cash and thought they had him for a while. Thought they had him for a while. Had him on a visit. Um, that was the last year of the previous staff, though, and he ended up going with Kentucky. But, uh, you know, Cash Daniels is a heck of a linebacker, very physical. He's going to go after you. Um, so the keys for the Game Cock offense. Number one, run game. Diversity in the run game and the line of scrimmage. You know, you need to get the ball on the perimeter to Tavian Feaster. That's what he's good at. Um, I'm not saying he can't run between the tackles. You need to get the ball to, to Rico Dowdle. Uh, you need to run the football. And you need to m- run more than two plays in the run game. Um, Mississippi State's very diverse in that category. And Mississippi State had a lot of success on the ground, led by Kellen Hill against this this defense. And you look at the Florida game, the, the touchdown that, that put it away was a reverse to Josh Hammond, where he just took it to the house. And Missis- I mean, I'm sorry, not Mississippi State, Florida, where the former Mississippi State coach is. They're pretty good at, um, you know, at, at being diverse in the run game. So you got to be diverse in the run game, win the line of scrimmage in that department. Helensky's accuracy, because um, whereas I I would be disappointed if they came out and just ran it the whole time, unless it was very successful. I mean, it's going to be sad and telling if there's all this talk about running the ball this week, and then they go out there and just run it, run it, run it, and never run any passes, and it's very conservative and whatever. <laughs> you know, Because that's not the point, folks. The, the point of coaching is this, is making the right, not, not just making the right calls, but when you do it, having a feel for it. Um, and it's interesting because I think at times Brian McClendon has a better feel rhythm-wise for play calling than Kurt Roper did. But he just doesn't make adjustments. All the time, there are times when he just keeps doing what he's doing, and if it's working, it's working. If it's not, it's not. That's no way to be. It's not. That's not a winning recipe, folks. The defensive coordinators in this league are too good. Um, so Halinsky's accuracy, because I do think that you know, they're going to need to get some passing things going. I mean, that people all the time ask about South Carolina's identity. We don't have any identity on offense. There's no identity. Well, there is. The Gamecocks under Brian McClendon, by and large, are a pass-happy, run-light outfit. They like to run it some, but really they want to go in there and throw it all over the yard. Um, they hadn't always been good at it. That's the identity. <laughs> I think you want to strive for balance. Um, that type of identity is why I told some people that I didn't think an air rate offense would work in the SEC. Um. And though I say that, and that is my opinion, it's never really been tried. Um, with the exception of Clint Kingsbury at A&M when he had Johnny Manziel. And I think that's a different, different ball game because of what Manziel could do with his feet. And then, you know, Kentucky under Hal Mummy and Mike Leach back in the day. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to debate the air raid offense right now, though. Um, but that's what the Gamecocks are. They're a pass-happy, run-light, not-physical offensive football team. They're really good sometimes if they got to convert a third and eight, but if you got them in fourth and one or third and one, you usually got them. And I'm sorry, that's just how it is. And they need, you know, your best offenses can throw and run and are tough. And there's a, you know, it's one thing to just be deficient in one of those areas, it's another thing when you don't even try, when you're capable, but you just don't do it. So, Helensky's accuracy matters, and I hope it does matter because I hope that they don't just, you know, go run, create, let, you know, let's just go run, run, run this time. You know, I I think there's a balance and there's a time to do things and a time not to do things. Number three, man up. That brings me to this, this, this part. You know, Brian Edwards, the first little, you know, shovel pass he caught. Uh, against Alabama. It looked like a a reverse or a jet sweep, but it really counted statistically as a pass. You see him throw the guy down and rush for more yards. That's the type of mentality. And Brian Edwards, to his credit, is playing with that type of mentality just about every fight. So there are some guys on this team. Kyle Markway, Brian Edwards, Javon Kinlaw, uh, Ernest Jones to a certain extent, um, or Aaron Sterling, uh, Rico Dowdle. Those guys are playing with that mentality. The Ryan Helensky, quite frankly, is playing with that mentality. The rest of these guys need to step up. Man up. You know, I think on the line, you know, some games it's great, some games it's not individually. There's a lot of guys that are playing well. They need to man up. South Carolina has a big athletic offensive line. Man up. I know Kentucky's big. They're not nearly as skilled as Bama. They're not as athletic as Missouri. They're probably not as athletic as North Carolina on the defensive front. That was the strength of North Carolina's team. Man up. You know, because the Gamecocks have not manned up in this series in five years. Man up. And the offense needs to man up. Because like I said, there is an identity, and it's a pass-happy attack that can't establish the line of scrimmage and run the football. That's the identity of Brian McClendon's offense in a year and four games as, as the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Um, it's not <laughs> – definitely not what Kurt Roper tried to do his last year at Carolina. But I think schematically it's not as good as the offense Roper started running with Jake Bentley when he took over the, the quarterback job. That, that Where's that offense been? You know, that offense didn't do much against the Clemsons and Floridas of the world because Carolina had no offensive line. But, boy – you look, they moved up, up and down the field against Tennessee, up and down the field against Missouri, went up and down the field against South Florida. Next year, out of the gate, it's an RPO-happy, jake into Peyton manning type attack. They put 220 yards up against North Carolina State, and that was a dumpster fire. Um, but, yeah, this offense, you know, now it, it is a pass-happy, run-light, not physical attack. And that that mentality needs to change. All right, let's look at the Kentucky offense. The Kentucky offense, 59th in rushing, 177.3 yards per game, uh, 70th in passing, 241.8. of course, Terry Wilson, uh, my good friend Mike Morgan, be sure to check out the JC and Morgan College Football Podcast, was up co- covering the Kentucky-Eastern Michigan game when Wilson got hurt out for the year. You know, Sawyer Smith is a guy that came in as a grad transfer from Troy, I think he can throw it well. Arguably he's a little more accurate than than Wilson at times. I thought Wilson actually, when I saw him earlier this year, looked like he had worked on his accuracy. Uh, but Sawyer was fifteen for 41 against Mississippi State, completing 50% of his passes so far this year, four touchdowns, four picks. Looking at his he doesn't have the arm Helensky does. He's got a pretty good arm. He's pretty accurate. You know, probably somewhere around, you know, maybe a little bit more velocity than a Chris Smelly. But, uh, you know, that kind of arm. Their offense sort of lives and dies with three guys. Kavasky, Smoke, uh, Rose, and um, Lynn Bowden. Rose is seventh in the SEC in rushing. Smoke is tenth, so they rely on those guys a lot. They actually give the running backs the ball. And then Lynn Bowden, uh, who's only got one receiving touchdown this year, though, but he's a big weapon that they like to use. So... You know, those are the guys. You know, the keys for the Gamecocks. Uh, I think, you know, you don't have a, a, a dual threat like Terry Wilson. You can you can really get after Sawyer Smith. He's not a statue, but you can get after him for some errant throws. So you have to put pressure on the ball, I mean, on, on the passer. You know, Javon Kenlaw leads the SEC in sacks, but there's nobody else really putting pressure on. That being said, I did think Aaron Sterling – did some good things Saturday and has done some good things at times. I thought DJ won I'm getting the pick and almost the pick six kind of gave him some confidence. Although I'd like to see him get the passer a little more. And then I think JJ and Igbari on the goal line stand kind of showed a flash of what he can do. Um, and I think they need to call some blitzes and stuff like that. I, I mean, the key is to shut the run and to get Kentucky into obvious passing downs. You can't, I mean, you give them, You give Eddie Grant third and four, he's probably going to run it some, throw it some. You know, he's going to get you. But you get him in third and longer than seven, I think that's the key. Um, obviously, stopping the run uh, is the biggest key to the game, for the Gamecocks, it always is. If you stop the run, force him to pass. Duh, duh, duh. It's virtually the same key, so I really have the same key for my first two. And then big plays. I mean, say what you want about... The yards they give up, gave up and points they gave up. Gamecocks, that's some big plays on defense against Missouri. The goal line stand, like I mentioned, the, the almost picked six by Wanham. Uh Sterling made a strip the ball. Kinlaw with a fumble recovery. Kinlaw's playing his butt off. Yeah, he needs to keep doing that. Uh, but you get some big plays at home by the defense. Put the offense in good position at home. Crowd's going to get behind you. It's going to be loud. I'm expecting a good crowd. I think it'll be a lot like the Tennessee game last year. 76, 77,000. It's a night game, as mad and pissed off as people are. It's a night game. The weather's supposed to be nice. It's going to be a cool night. It's a good day to go have several beers out there with your buddies. You know, you only get what, seven chances a year? Six, seven chances a year to go tailgating at williams Bryce. Um, go do it. I'm not being a Pollyanna sunshine pumping, rah-rah go support your team fanboy here. I'm just talking about the party. I'm just talking about you know, man, win or lose, I know you're upset, but it's a night game at Williams Bryce. You know, everybody's going to be there. You don't get this chance often to go hang with your friends and family, and that's what it's. That's really what makes college football special is all the memories we have with our friends and family out there. Um, those memories are much better when there's a win, <laughs> I think. Uh, but yeah, you know, so. And, look, I haven't seen, like, any mass protest or anything like that, people organizing, boycotting the game. That's not going to do anybody any good. You know, so I expect a big crowd and, and big plays by the defense, you know, make the crowd come alive. All right. So who has stepped up who needs to step up? Who needs to stay consistent for the Gamecocks? But who needs to step up on the other side? I just got a handful of guys here because there's a lot of people that really need to step up and a lot of guys that need to maintain their level of performance cuz what drives me crazy is you'll go through a season sometimes and you'll have a guy that's you know playing really really well and you're like well you know player x at cornerback is shutting down his guy but the other corner's a liability and the safeties aren't playing well then you go into a game and both other safeties and the other corner will play well but player X has, just decides he's going to have a bad game. <laughs> and that's the nature of things, especially around here sometimes. So Javon Kinlaw needs to continue to play like he's playing, and I have no doubt he will. Who needs to step up? The trio in the secondary on defense. J.C. Horn, R.J. Roderick, Israel McQuamu. These three sophomores were the guys that were going to, remember, set the tone, be the nucleus, be the swag. And Ann always played well. You know, the fourth guy back there had not played well either and has been probably more of a liability. I'm curious to see who that will be. But these three guys need to be the leaders. I know they're sophomores, um, but these guys showed a lot more than what they're showing. And, and I think as soon as some good things start to happen because they're still young players, you'll start to see them, you know, I think sometimes that gets contagious, you know. You know, Let's say Horn would have caught that pick six against North Carolina. We wouldn't even be talking about anything negative right now. But um, I think that would have kind of been contagious for that group. You know, Brian Edwards offensively he's played really well. And I'm going to say – and, and I, I don't know that this guy hadn't stepped up. Because, again, I, I'm going to say that I think – maybe he had a little trouble getting open against Missouri, but I'm going to say that I think he needs the ball in his hands more. You know, Edwards is playing well, but you need to kind of get the ball in Shy Smith's hands as well. So I'm going to say on offense, Shy Smith. You know, Shy Smith is perfectly capable of putting up huge numbers and being a weapon uh, in this offense. So Edwards can keep going, and then Shy Smith ends up being a guy that Holinsky finds. I think Jake found Shy a little bit more than Ryan has. Um, and that just happens sometimes. Connor Shaw, you know, Steven Garcia. Found Alshon Jeffrey a whole lot more than Connor Shaw did when he took over. This just kind of goes with quarterbacks and how they target and how they go through their progressions. But at the same time, I do think there's some situations where Shy's not maybe getting open, especially against Missouri. So I'm going to say he is my guy that needs to step up for the Gamecocks to be successful. So what do I think? What's my prediction? I'm going to go with uh, South Carolina 28, Kentucky 14. And you're going to think I'm crazy. You're going to say, oh, my God. How can you say this? They've beaten us. How can you do this? How can you do this? You're going to lose credibility. Blah, blah, blah. Perhaps. And here's my thinking I think that, you know, in this situation, you have a team in Kentucky that is what it is. I, I think it's not a surprise they played Florida close. You know, Miami played Florida close. Tennessee's the only team that, you know, that's a power five school that hadn't played Florida close. Florida's. Florida's done what they needed to do because, you know, sometimes you'll get on a roll. You know, you'll have some great escapes. The 2012 Gamecocks beat Vanderbilt by four. By the time they played Georgia, they beat them by 28 because it just kept going and going and going. Teams change over the course of the year. Um, But but I think Kentucky is what it is. I I don't think that playing Florida within eight uh, and having them on the ropes was some huge accomplishment. I don't think that – they look particularly good against Mississippi State or against the Sisters of the Poor that they played. Uh, I don't know that Sawyer Smith is the type of quarterback that can you know, come in and uh, lead his team to a big road victory, although he did well at Troy uh, <laughs> uh, and is not going to be intimidated. I, I think the environment's going to be good. I think something good will happen with the Gamecocks. And, and I think South Carolina has not played to its potential. Bottom line, South Carolina has better players than what it has shown in the first four games. Now, I'm assuming that we're not going to have any head-scratching, you know, offensive coaching strategy, you know, Saturday night. I'm assuming that Holinsky's accuracy will be fine and and they'll run some RPOs and they'll run the football and their offensive line will play better because teams change. Uh, and I'm assuming South Carolina's defense will build uh, on what they did, and you know they'll make some big plays in the football game. Um, I think some people who have given up on the season are making Kentucky out to be the 85 Chicago Bears. I think some people want to live in the past about this series and just say, they've beaten us five, they just own us, they own us. Maybe they do. You wouldn't get that argument for me. But looking at this game, this is the type of game where a team that's struggling that's better than what it is plays a team that's about, you know, what you'd think on schedule. Uh, and the team that's struggling comes up and bites them. There's a reason Vegas has the Gamecocks as a favorite. It's really a pick'em. They're a three-point favorite because of the home field. You know, you get three points for playing at home. Um, and, and And I think it's going to be a nip-and-tuck football game that, you know, Carolina scores at the end to make it 28-14. That that's my uh, uh feeling about this game. Uh, I don't know that the Gamecocks are going to consistently be up by two touchdowns the whole game or not. But I think they'll do that. Go into the open week. You got Georgia after that. You just go down there and give it your best um, and see what happens for the rest of the year, you know. I if the Gamecocks lose this football game Saturday night, all hell's going to break loose. And it's going to be a long two weeks, folks. Um, long two weeks. But just looking at the game objectively, looking at the talent on both sides, looking at what each team is capable of, I, I think the Gamecocks are going to go out, not going to play perfect, um, but are going to overcome the Kentucky death by a thousand paper cuts situation on Saturday night. Okay. That is all for the final word here on Inside the Gamecocks Podcast. Each and every Friday I'm going to try to bring you a prediction and a breakdown like this along with my article there on the big don't forget you can get this podcast myself and Tony Morrell, every Wednesday and all these little extra special things like this absolutely free on iTunes on the Stitcher app on Spotify now we're on Spotify Spotify how about that um, and uh, we appreciate you guys uh, listening and spreading the word so We'll be back next week, and I hope you guys, if you go to williams Bryce, have a safe and uh, happy trip to Columbia. Remember, enjoy your time with your family and your friends. It's a tough year, no matter what happens Saturday night. Always remember that you love doing it. Um, If you're in Atlanta, Dive Bar in Buckhead is where I will be. Doors will open at 6.30. Drink specials. Come on out for the watch party. It's always great, especially when it's at night. The place is packed full of Gamecocks. We're going to have a great time at Dive Bar in Buckhead uh, for the official Atlanta Gamecocks watch party. Uh, My Carolina Alumni Association is involved with that, thebigspur.com. And now this podcast that I am on, uh, Gamecock-owned and operated bar in Atlanta. That's for Atlanta Gamecocks. Also want to give a shout-out to my good friends. If you need tailgating food and you're in the Charlotte area, Nana's Porch, nanasporchclt.com. They will come and uh, give you some uh, a lot of different options in terms of tailgating, big and small. Also want to thank Flowers Furniture in Darlington, South Carolina. Uh, they're open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Lots of great deals on furniture, so go over there and check them out. This Flowers Furniture in Darlington. Thank you for being a member of TheBigSpur.com if you are. And uh, I will talk to you again next week. Once again, my final prediction, South Carolina twenty-eight. Kentucky, 14. I know I'm going to get uh, a lot of crap for that, but uh, that's just kind of how I see it, breaking it down. And that's not with any kind of garnet-colored glasses. That's just the absolute truth. All right, this is J.C. Sherbert signing off. Have a great weekend, everyone.